Coming up on Over a Barrel. Knock, knock. Uh, yes. there, there's a $1.99 gas at the door, but, but. What? 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 Yeah, yeah. Ding dong. Cheap gas is at the door. You want to open it up and find out where it's happening? I need special music for this. Over a Barrel starts right now. Welcome to the program, Over a Barrel. I'm Matt McLean alongside Patrick DeHaan. And Patrick, hello. We missed a week or so because somebody thought he had to go and take a nice, lengthy... I don't even know what that was, but it, you were sending me pictures and I was like going, I want to be there. So what What did you do? It was a celebration of how cheap gas was, Matt. You know, I... Uh, <laughs> No, uh, my wife and I, it's always been on her bucket list to go check out uh, some of the Christmas markets overseas because they're, you know, I, I don't know, through culture and movies, you always see some of these movies that kind of paint a, a picture of how uh, beautiful it can be over there. So that's that's what we did. Uh, went over to Europe and checked out some of their Christmas markets. That sounds uh, like I saw the pictures you were sending them to me and I'm going, I, I'd like to be there right now. How was the, how was the weather? Uh, was it good? Cold. It was uh, cold. Uh, well, Munich uh, had record setting snowfall before we uh, before we landed. And thankfully, we were able to navigate around it. But uh, yeah, it was cold. It was snowy. Uh, we landed in um, uh, Paris. We flew to Vienna and Vienna was snowing when we got there and we went right to the Christmas market and you couldn't ask for more pit picturesque scene of you know christmas markets snowing snow accumulation was everywhere they probably got a few inches and i know in munich which is a little bit uh to the east of vienna they had like a foot and a half so happy it uh, it all worked out you know they the trains got snarled i mean you're talking about a foot and a half of, of snow so a lot of stuff was shut down but uh by the time we got to munich there was a lot of it melting but uh, it was a good time if anyone you know uh, anyone likes to travel. I certainly like to travel um, occasionally in the off season. It's beautiful over there uh, in uh, in Europe around the Christmas markets. And there's, by the way, there's plenty of them. Well, the big question question that I have is how much was gas? Oh, well, you knew I had to calculate that. I was actually talking with, uh, because I have family over in Southwest Germany. Uh, they were real excited because the, the price, and over there, by the way, it's petrol. Right. It's not gasoline. It's petrol. Right, so right. the price of petrol in Germany actually had dropped about eight cents a liter um, in the last week before uh, my arrival. And by the way, for anyone doing the math at home, as I quickly do it, eight cents a liter doesn't sound like much, but it's about 30 cents a gallon. So um, the price still, though, Matt, was, I think, about seven sixty a gallon. And, and that's U.S. dollars. That's that's you know, they do. Europe does leaders. And that's also, by the way, for more of a mid-grade. Um, that's kind of their default over there is 95, um, 95, 95 octane. octane? Yeah. Is, wh- well, and, and and by the way, before you think it's premium, what? there are different ways. It's kind of interesting, no, it's, too. it's more than premium. Well, well, no, it, it, it's not because, and, and this is the interesting thing, around different parts of the world, they have different ways of measuring those octane numbers. And so, oh, I see. There's three different ways. There's what's called RON, research octane number. There's MON, which is motor octane number. And then in the United States and other places, they actually use the average of those two. We call that the anti-knock index or AKI. 
And so 95, I believe their number is motor octane, uh, M-O-N, MON. 95 MON is about the equivalent of 90 to 91 AKI. So, uh, excuse me, 95 is the equivalent of about 89 to 90. So it's kind of like a mid-grade, and their premium over there, Matt, is 98 MON, but that translates to about... I think 93 okay. AKI. So so it's not basically racing fuel that everybody's yeah. dealing with. Because <laughs> They're I'm all going, zooming around over there on the Autobahn, right, with their super high octane. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm just, in my mind, I'm going, uh, wait a second, that's really strong gasoline. <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe their bourbon's just as I, strong, I, right? I, since you were taking the words out of my mouth, I'm like, <laughs> I'm equating this to percentage of liquor, and I'm going, wait a second here, that's crazy. So, all right, all right, so now we've got that out of the way. So, gas is uh, very expensive, so I'm kind of glad that I just saw yeah. your pictures and didn't have to pay for the, for the gallon of gas myself, because I can get a gallon of gas here, where I am currently sitting, at one station for $2.53 a gallon, and I am jumping up and down because we are getting closer to the $1.99 mark that I would love to be at. And and I'm hoping one day you'll wave that crystal ball and say, uh, hey, I'm assuming uh, today is not knock, that knock, day. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> uh, yes. There's a $1.99 gas at the door, but, but. What, what, what? Yeah, yeah. Ding you dong. Yeah, I, uh, I cheap need, I need special music for this. I did not get special music for this. No. What? Yeah. Tell me what's going on. What is that? Okay. Well, all right. So before everyone gets excited, there is the potential. Oh there my is gosh. the potential, Matt, that a couple of stations. Now, by the way, we've seen price wars, right? Uh-huh. There was a price war in Colorado, 99 cents and a price war in Colorado. I think it was $1.74, but those stations are losing money, right? That's what a price war is. However, there is a possibility that in some pockets mm-hmm. of areas like Ohio and Wisconsin, by the way, those are those are states that have low gasoline taxes. Mm-hmm. You could see a couple of stations in Ohio, maybe areas of Missouri, maybe areas <gasps> of Kentucky. What? Uh, maybe not that far south, but Ohio, Wisconsin, maybe Missouri, maybe Kentucky that could theoretically basically be selling gasoline for a dollar 99 and they could be just about breaking even they're not going to make a whole lot but matt look at this today the bucky's in springfield missouri is already mm-hmm. at 231 a gallon and as i quick navigate to to check the report card here for ohio cheapest price in ohio today cleveland 227 and wisconsin the cheapest price 245 so now, I will say, Matt, uh, price of oil did go up today. We got some nice comments from uh, Jerome Powell on the economy. The wholesale price of gasoline whoa, 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 did go whoa, up just whoa, a little whoa, bit. Whoa, 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 Nice comments from Jerome Powell that causes prices to increase. I don't call that nice. Well, that's not, that's well, not a it, nice comment. If you're looking at your retirement, <laughs> it's a nice comment. Oh, I see. But not so, for, for gas prices. Well, well, ex- exactly. So, you know, usually the two move in an inverse relationship. When the stock market goes up, Matt, it, it means, you know, the economy's better. Everything's better. Well, a, a lot of these things, right? The trickle down is really significant. You know, the Dow Jones, by the way, today hit a new all-time record high. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, that's, we are over 37,000 closed at 37,090 points. It was up 512 points or 1.4%. But Matt, the interesting thing is oil prices, which did go up, they only rose about, uh, call it 2%. Um, but, but that may at least for now, uh, 
reduce the potential of, of stations falling below $2 a gallon. Like I said, this is not going to be a, you just drive through Cleveland and everyone's a buck 99, Matt. This is going to be like, you know, in, in an area where there's a price war, uh, they could get down to $1.99 and it could stay there for a little bit longer. They're just going to be breaking even. But with today's rise in the wholesale price of gasoline, it's going to take a little bit more work for us to get there. However, I don't want to rain on the parade. Mm. Let's just let's just put it all into context, Matt. The most common gas prices across the United States today, What 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 is most common if you were to drive in every state, the most common price, $2.99. The second most common to 89, third most common to 79, the fourth most common to 69, and the fifth most common price, 309. The good news, Matt, is the median average. Now, I'll give a little lesson here because people in on social media often forget what mean, median, and mode is, right? It's those things we all learned in, right, right. in elementary school. The median is the middle price. If you wrote out 150,000 stations on a piece of paper, the median price is the one exactly in the middle. If you cross out high low and then another high low until you get to the last one, that's the median price. And the median price today in the US is $2.95. As I mentioned, the most common, which is mode, the most common price is $2.99 today. Um, and of course, the mean is the national average, which sits at three oh nine a gallon. And Matt, I think there's a really strong chance that we're going to fall under three dollars a gallon by Christmas. Oh my goodness! I uh, <laughs> I just uh, yeah yeah I, soak that in, soak that in. I mean, I, it, it just I, makes you smile ear to ear, right? It has. Yes, I. <laughs> Let's let the people at home listening just. <laughs> ah, I collectively hear just like this soothing jazz music playing and it's your gas station. It's like, look at that price. Yeah. Aren't I looking good? You know, and <laughs> 29 states, Matt, by the way, just before we started recording this podcast today, the 29th U.S. state fell below $3 a gallon. The 29th state today, Virginia. There are 28 other states plus Virginia that are now seeing average prices below $3 a gallon, Matt. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. What? Okay. Yeah. I said 29. Perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was recounting. Better news. I'm like, what? Well, He's got better okay. news. The next, the next, uh, the, the 30th state uh, could potentially be Michigan. Michigan's average is at 303 a gallon today, Matt, but it'll probably take another day or two. Um, but I think, Matt, you know, we are 12 days away from Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas. Mm -hmm. My true love gave to me falling <laughs> gas prices on every single one of them. I saw you going with this direction. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm going to let you get away with it because I'm so happy about the fact that gas prices have dropped uh, tremendously, uh, what I would consider to be tremendously, really over the past six months to a year. Um, I'm just kind of in, in awe at, at well, it the, finally the feels normal, right? Yes. Now, now my major question for you, because oh it has been a big, um, story in so many different faucets of the economy. Is this going to translate eventually to your belief, possibly lower prices on other commodities, groceries and such, because now yeah. Uh, the question that I have, keeping in mind, because we've discussed this before on this program, we're talking gas prices. What's the price of diesel right now? 
Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Matt, because um, actually I was putting together uh, some really nice statistics too. I mean, diesel prices have come down. Oh, um, so the good news there, and and let's let's do the diesel side of the equation, right? We just did the mean, median, and mode for gasoline. Let's do diesel here, real quick. And, and diesel is so important because that's how the vast yeah. majority of your goods uh, get into the stores, or if you order online, uh, it still has to get from point A to point B, no matter what. So. And- and that, keep in mind, at many stages, the right? The truck, the ship. I mean, we're talking about what? You know, like diesel is is tremendously expensive because not only is the semi, uh, but the ship or the plane is carrying, you know, something similar that uh, to a diesel fuel. So to your point, it, it hits multiple times, right? It's not just one or two trucks. It's right, a truck right. to this warehouse, then a truck to that warehouse. The it's good a cumulative. News, yeah, Absolutely. And the good news there is that alongside the price of gasoline, the price of diesel, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, four thirty-five a month ago has decreased almost every day. The average price today mm-hmm. for a gallon of diesel is now four oh seven. And the good news is that the diesel price is going to fall under four dollars a gallon nationally. And Matt, if you're lucky enough to be in, I'm looking it up, Sherman <laughs> Denison, Texas. Sherman slash Denison, Texas, the average diesel price, it's going to be the first metro area in the nation. The average for a gallon of diesel there today at this very moment, $3 and six tenths of a penny. So they are going to be the first city to see diesel slip to $2.99. It's incredible, Matt. And and you look at all these, these cities. Now, there's not a whole lot of them, but Going back again to the mean, median, and mode, the average price, um, excuse me, the most common diesel price today is already $399, the second $389, the third most common $379. So we are seeing the trickle down, and the median diesel price is $399. So the average is a little bit higher. California is skewing that higher. You don't want to know what it is in California. (laughs) No, I don't. I want to keep my good mood. Oh, here you go. Well, you it? know, you know, what there's people that, that, that there's, you know, California is pretty populous. It's 556 on average in California. <laughs> that's part of the reason why, by the way, when it comes to averages, that's the reason that while we talk about median and most common prices that are below three for gasoline and four for diesel, that's why the averages are stuck higher because California is basically California is is. Uh, I think it's probably the 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 most stations in the country, maybe the second most amount of gas stations in the country now behind Texas. So think of that. They have a heavy influence on the average price because California is still uh for gasoline they're well over four dollars. I think four sixty and for diesel they're at five fifty six. I uh yeah that that's a little terrifying but it is what it is I suppose. So the but question- even for Californians by the way that they, they're loving what they're seeing too because prices are going down. Oh, I don't know if I could love anything above five dollars ago. Yeah, but yeah you see there. my the, it's the psychology thing. I'd still be like, well, it's lipstick coming down. on a pig, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. You know the good news is this for those of you who are curious. Okay, well. Uh, diesel's coming down, et cetera, et cetera. That means that the price that I'm paying for something at a store should come down next week. No, no, no. Unfortunately, there is a there is a timeline that kind of has to be followed because you got to remember uh, a store's inventory. Well, they have a certain amount that's in their warehouses and stuff that was delivered on a much more expensive fuel price. But eventually, 
once they've worked through some inventory and some other aspects and the price starts coming down, hopefully, fingers crossed, yeah. uh, things, hopefully, things will start to to reflect a little bit better. Um, the biggest thing that I have seen, uh, you know, while you were gone, I was working on several stories. One of them was about grocery prices. You know, um, Home Alone in 1990, you know, uh, Kevin goes to the grocery store oh, and, yeah. spends, and spent like $19 and some change, like almost $20. I've seen, wait, are you right? going to drop this meme on me that I saw floating around? Well, here, yeah. So so it was very entertaining to me. And then like two years ago, that same exact quantity would have caught, or same exact uh, items would have cost like 40 something. And now allegedly this year, it's like in the 70s, which I, is- I, I checked that. It's yeah. a little off. Um, but probably the, not a huge amount off though, I well, wouldn't think. Well, you know, the, the, um, the common sense thing went up uh, last year we were real deep into inflation already right yep, and it's actually we eased a lot between last year and this year i i looked at those numbers skeptically and thankfully double checked the comments because it 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 didn't pass the sniff test and i know the meme i saw um it was actually on a a fan page of a company that operates theme parks that a lot of people go to mm-hmm. so it it's but if you looked at the image matt there was a political party logo on the lower right hand corner i was a bit disappointed to find that you know pages are resharing information i don't think i saw that that same one or the one that i saw didn't have anything uh, attributing anything to well but either either way you know uh, thankfully those numbers don't pass the sniff test and right. i think just like a lot of those political memes on both sides of the aisle they don't use the latest numbers they use numbers from you know four or five six months ago to try and make a point but that point is kind of lost when you start sniffing around and you look at the numbers and you're like, that's not a recent number. So that that the, so you actually took the words out of my mouth because as I was bringing that up, because millions of people did see it, which was kind of why I was bringing it up. And what I was trying to get ready to say was obviously the prices maybe not are not quite that drastically different, but there's still there's still a difference in 1990 prices versus today. I think that's oh, that for part sure. Is, that that part uh, was a very depressing aspect where maybe it's not 70 some odd dollars today but doggone it it's not uh, not exactly still 20 bucks either so yeah. i mean there's there is that aspect of 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 stuff as well so uh from what i'm gathering though and obviously we focus on fuel prices but you know what it has an impact on everything from meats you know cuz you've still got to get grain uh, as as the animals are being fed before they're they're taken for processing and other aspects so Meat and uh, other aspects have kind of stayed the same for the past year. Milk and dairy products have kind of actually started inching downward. It's it's the and the produce has been basically untouched for the past year. But the insides of the of the grocery store, up and down the aisles, like the cereals and the other goods that are in them in the middle of the store, that's where the inflation has still really continued to climb. Um, and that that is factual, uh, uh, you know, researched out evidence and such, oh, for uh, sure. uh, you know, that that, that 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 is creating some problems. So if you like the exterior of the store where all the fresh produce is, you know, in most grocery stores and and the meats and the produce, you, you should be in good shape. Now, if you go up and down the aisles in the middle and buy a bunch of different stuff, that's that's where you start running into some some inflationary issues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And exactly right. You know, and and I, I've seen so many political pundits on both sides, Matt, um, you know, blaming the president. I, I just want to make clear this decline is thanks to economics and the declines that you're mentioning are thanks to economics. When you slow the economy down through the Federal Reserve, that's the intent is to drive up the cost of borrowing so you don't spend as much. Because when we spend a lot, 
you need a lot of manufacturing, you need a lot of jobs, right? That's the whole point of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. So I just want to point out, it's not Biden that's behind the drop at the pump. This is simply economics that Americans aren't buying as much. They're not driving as much. And by the way, last week, Gas Buddy data showed that um, a pretty anemic number for gasoline demand, just 8.37 million barrels a day. So a lot of this, um, again, this is just an undoing of some of the factors that led to record high prices, Matt, within the last year or two. The Russia-Ukraine war continues to be in the rear view. The risk is continuing to diminish over time, right? The same thing with the Hamas-Israel situation. There's not really any oil production that's meaningful in that region of the world, but the shockwaves tend to taper down, right? After a major earthquake, the aftershocks are in the hours after. They're usually not months or years later. Mm -hmm. And so the aftershocks have really settled down at the gas pump, and that's why we're starting to see a lot of relief. But I will also throw caution out there. And a lot of people, by the way, say, oh, it's election interference. Literally, Matt, 11 months from now is an election. A lot of people believe that there's some interference happening with gas prices. I did have to ask one of those folks who interacted with me and said it's election interference on Twitter um, if they could explain. And they basically shut down and said they, they couldn't. And they said, good day. So it's always funny when people like to claim, you know, a conspiracy theory and, and they just they have no idea what they're referring to. So enjoy it. Um, the lowest gas price of the year. I do think, Matt, that the national average will probably bottom out in the next 30 days. Um, no. I, I will say. No. Well, Listen, Grinch. Kevin! Listen, Grinch. I don't want to hear the fact that the prices are going to be bottoming in. I just want them to keep going cheaper. Can we do that? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, well, what I will say as I start to work on the Gas Buddy 2024 fuel outlook, Matt, is that I do expect modest relief next year compared to what you spent this year. Now, I'm not going to delve into the details, and there's still going to be volatility, right? The seasonal swings, prices are going to start marching higher in March, just as they fall in fall, right? Those are the norms, but there's going to be some factors that are unpredictable. Hurricane season, always unpredictable. By the way, it was a really busy hurricane season. and It was. But we, we got spared. You know, no, we didn't really see any impact. So those are the types of wild cards that, you know, there's just... Not enough expertise, not enough supercomputing power on the world uh, to be able to forecast what Mother Nature is going to throw at us next year. So the the the, the you know the wild cards are are going to stick around, but it's not going to be as an expensive a year, Matt, in twenty twenty four. Boy, I sure hope so. From your lips to God's ears. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the hope because you know I think that everyone listening right now, no matter your economic status, would very much appreciate. Uh, a bit of a discount next year because the last several years have been so tumultuous. Oh, they have. Uh, I mean, we, in the middle of COVID, we were paying uh, really artificially low prices for gas for anybody who was able to to drive. And then, and then all of a sudden it, it went into hyper overdrive and went, went uh, on the other direction. And I mean, I was sending, I was sending you pictures here in the Midwest of prices that were over $5 uh, a gallon. And I was like, I don't like this at all. No, so, yeah. you know, I would really, really like a good season of calm. Now, that may not happen, but I'd really like it if I can turn in a request. If you have a crystal ball in your in your direction <laughs> and you can do something about that, I would thoroughly appreciate it. 
Uh, I don't, you called me the Grinch. I don't know if the Grinch takes requests. Oh, well, I mean, you were talking about prices bottoming out. I mean, uh, I, what am I supposed to do with that kind of a, with that kind of well, a, Matt, a I'll, strong I'll tell you language, what. sir? You know, it, I will say that, you know, within the next 30 days, I don't think prices are going to go much lower. I think the national average at this point, by the way, and people, people remind me that some of my tweets don't age Right. <laughs> I, I don't know what world we live in where what I say now is supposed to be stretched to be, you know, good advice in three years. The world just doesn't. I don't have a crystal ball here, Matt. I just have to apparently have to remind people that what I say in the here and now is here and now and the situation does change. But it does look a lot better of a year, much more normal next year. Not fully normal. Because Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but I think a lot more normal next year than than what we've seen, and and the world will continue to mend. I will say though, it's interesting watching this 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 partnership developing, and and I, I don't know. Did you see the pictures of Vladimir Putin's um, bro shake with MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, who is the um, the royal leader of Saudi Arabia, the the, the crown prince, there, there was quite the bro shake there, and th- we have to be aware of that when you look at oil markets. You know, the number two and number three oil producer, Russia and Saudi Arabia, having a relationship like that. You know, and especially Saudi Arabia willing to look the other way. Although, of course, there's the whole Jamal Khashoggi situation with MBS. It's it's a dynamic that we have to keep an eye on. Um. Yeah, no, I unfortunately I, I I sadly agree with what you're saying there. Um you're you're not wrong. And so just say I'm wrong, please. No, you're not wrong. I I, I, I I don't like to see that kind of stuff, but you know, as an oil analyst, you have to you watch the body language of countries that, you know, obviously these two countries have been agreeing to cut oil production in a significant way. And um, you know, seeing them cozy up. And seeing, you know, some of the offenses, um, it it's interesting. It is. Um, and it does give you a moment of pause because you kind of wonder what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, I just still maintain, can't we all just get along? Uh, we got one world to live in. Can't we all just get along? Um, and here we are. And so... <laughs> It's not always going to happen, unfortunately. Well, speaking of we all live here together, can't we all get along, Matt? There was something interesting I saw the other day, and you and I talked about this a couple episodes ago that I'd like to bring up. Okay. And by the way, a bunch of Tesla bros, I'm going to call them Tesla bros because they're just, I mean, you have people that really are are, um, hardcore believers of something. Oh, are you going to talk about what I think you're going to talk about? I, I might, but, you know, I had mentioned the other day, CNBC had put an article out about the transition to EVs slowing down. A lot of manufacturers, Ford, G. Mm-hmm. have been slowing down on the move to EVs. And Gas Buddy put out a survey that we talked about for Thanksgiving in which a lot of people are still not warming up to EVs. And so you can have your people, you know, and I've I, I've kind of been curious about EVs, but Matt, I, I took a definitive take on CNBC and said, you know, Europe went through this a year and a half ago at the start of the Russian war in Ukraine. You remember how Europe closed their power plants. Germany had had shut down their nuclear plants. They were relying on Russian energy and Russian mm-hmm, coal. Mm-hmm. And then the Russian it Germany learned something very profound. You should not put all of your eggs in one basket. And so what I was saying, Matt, on Twitter in regards to EVs is that once battery technology improves, 
I really think EVs, you know, they, they may be perfect for people that live in certain situations, but I think the vast majority of the population, Matt, would be very well served by a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle that, that can have a one to 200 mile range. And if you're on a road trip, you know, you can still plug in wherever you'd go, but after 200 miles, instead of your car just dying on the side of the road, you switch over to a efficient gasoline motor that generates power, you know, to put in the batteries because look at all the use cases. What happens in Florida when the lights go out ahead of a hurricane, you know, the situation worsens. You look at Harvey and Irma, a one, two punch. And there's just, there's challenges that EVs have not been able to easily solve yet, Uh, especially out in California where they have, you know, told you not to charge sometimes that Mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Except I have to be at work at 8 a.m. Well, right. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that doesn't work so well. People have adverse reactions to, you know, basically that kind of limitation. So what I was thinking, Matt, is that very much like EV is 100% relying on one technology and gasoline is relying on one technology. I think Toyota and some of the other car manufacturers that have been looking at at, at you know EVs instead of going 100% EV, they may be on the right track here. Because I live in Chicago and 100 to 200 mile range is perfect. You know, I probably could charge you know, 70 to 80% of the life of the vehicle, but I don't think I'm going to take a jump in and do an EV, you know, based on that, because if I go down to Florida, which I've, I've done in years past and I rent an apartment, there's nowhere I can charge. So that's, unless, that's very fair. Unless I'm going to, you know, a supercharger and potentially waiting in line, um, you know, it, it, I don't think that's ideal. I, what, what's your take? So I actually just sent you a link. I did. I can't remember if I sent you that story. You, you or did. Not. I actually read it, and <clears throat> I it's, thought the, so. The battery technology is really changing, and I think th- that's where, by the way, this this thought concept came from out of a hundred to two hundred mile range, because you can have a small battery pack that will basically be good for eighty percent of your trips. And and by the way, the Tesla Bros were like, "Oh, maintenance. Why did you buy? What you know? You have two different powertrains." We're not looking to solve the maintenance equation here. EVs are not maintenance free. What we're looking to do is to solve a user experience that is worrisome. Because if you're out in the middle of Wyoming, Matt, there's not an EV charger. And and by the way, I'm not wrong in saying that. Like I think a quarter of EV chargers um, are down. Basically for maintenance, there's so much money being thrown at it and they're very mm-hmm. poorly maintained that that's another issue. But again, going back to what some of the super fans for EVs have suggested, you know, now you have two powertrains to potentially service. You don't buy a car based on the maintenance costs over the life of the car. People, that is not, you know, that's probably lower on the totem pole of importance than fuel efficiency. And right now, fuel efficiency is not important to people, to most people. So I just think, and and you tell me, you know, you you drive a lot. I drive too much. Yes, you're yeah, exactly so, right. So weigh in here. Would you would you jump over to an EV or, or would you prefer, you know, a plug-in hybrid <clears throat> electric or a hybrid or what? Uh, there are so many comments that, keeping in mind, I I I've worked in the news media since 1999. Um, I've had the privilege of interviewing. Uh, you know, senior vice presidents of major auto manufacturers for news stories and other aspects. And, you know, um, I've, I've, 
I've learned a lot. Okay. And, and, and I'm, I'm prefacing, uh, what I'm about to say by saying all of that. I honest to goodness think that it doesn't make logical sense at this time, um, to rely solely upon, um, anything that is going to require, you know, and in some cases, if you don't have a high powered charger an overnight charge, take, for example, Nashville, Tennessee, just three or four days ago, as, as of this uh, recording of this podcast, uh, suffered from a horrible tornado. And so did Clarksville, Tennessee, a city of 180,000 people. Three, four days later, a good chunk of those areas are still without power. So stop. And, 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 and by the way, if I can jump in there, it was kind yes. of interesting, Matt, because there was a Tennessee Valley, uh, Tennessee Valley Authority substation blew up. And a lot of yes, people it thought did. it was an oil refinery at first, but it was a massive substation. So, you know, it's interesting here is, as you mentioned, a tornado impacted a major substation. And if you didn't, you know, if you didn't charge your car every night, you could be sitting out there with a car that's at 20%. Then what are you going to do? And that's, and, that's the, that's see, that yeah. is the whole exact um, scenario that I think is quite disturbing. You have an earthquake in California. You have a hurricane in Florida. You have a massive winter storm in Montana or Wyoming or what even the Midwest more, Matt, or Chicago. Power outages or refineries go down. I mean, when's the last time that for a sustained period of time you couldn't get gas? Exactly. I mean, you know, or, but, but right, electricity right, right. Is, is much more worrisome. I mean, so much, Matt, that people routinely have generators at their house, especially in areas of the country. There you go. So we're going to be relying on something that's inherently unreliable. Yeah. The, 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 it is, a, it is an area of concern that I have, and it is one that I feel personally is justified. You also have the security aspects where, you know, electric companies are still trying to harden their system from, you know, a uh, uh, bad people uh, across the globe who may like to try to exploit some of its uh, vulnerabilities. Uh, then what? You have so many things that could create a problem. But the scariest thing that I have in my mind, and I really want, I really want someone to think about this. If you're listening right now, think about this. You have an all-electric ambulance. You have a disaster and there's no power. Then what? You have an all-electric fire truck but your house is caught on fire because of something that has taken place and there's no electricity and hasn't been for forever, then what? So stop and think about those realities, potential yeah. realities. They've, they, you know, in this area, we've been uh, doing news stories about all electric school buses and multiple districts have now signed on and brought them online. And, and, and there's a bunch of all electric school buses. That's great. Now, if the school doesn't have power in the morning, or the school goes out, you know, the power goes out for half the night and the buses can't charge, <laughs> but it's back on in time for school. Then what? You have so many situations where it becomes our entire way of life, our, the entire structure of our economy. Everything will have to dramatically shift in order to accommodate something like that, because I promise yeah. you the dog ate my homework when it comes to, I'm sorry, but my battery was dead in my car. Um, it, you know, you're only going to get away with that from an employer so many times. And then, then they're going to look at you and say, not my problem. <laughs> and you know, the, th the thing about it, Matt is, is that you, you look at the most 
you know, vehicle mobility is hugely important to the U.S. economy. We don't have trains. You can't just take a train to work in most areas, right? Unless you're in, in an area like I am, Chicago. Uh, Chicago but or electricity York, yeah. is still an issue because the trains here run on electricity. So, you know, the, the thing about it is, is um, liquid fuels, you know, should not be discounted. And potentially, like I said, if we can get a plug-in hybrid electric with a one to 200 mile range, that would probably very much stifle pollution, very much stifle gasoline sure. consumption. It would probably stifle, you know, north of 50% of, of that consumption, if not higher, if everyone got one. But at the same time, to your point, it doesn't put as much demand on the grid. If the grid just suddenly quit, look at Texas. How many grid issues has Texas seen the last couple of years from, oh from various goodness. extreme weather? Extreme weather is worsening, not getting yeah. better. And and you know, so the, let's the nation is becoming more. The, yeah, let's right. stress out and tax the nation's electric power so, grid and, and, even and, more. And, yeah, and let's 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 buy vehicles that are are more you know are, are more subject to the limitations of the electrical grid, which is becoming less reliable. That. And That's then, the oh, by point. the way, let's also do away with the coal, uh, the coal power plants uh, for fuel, and let's switch those over to all solar and wind, and other, which is again, I have no problem with any of that. But you're also basically asking the entire power, uh, you know, uh, entity in, in our country to reinvent themselves in a in an extraordinary way. Uh, you know, power companies are used to being able to provide a certain amount of power out of a power plant. And it's always consistent, 24-7, 365. Well, guess what happens when the sun goes down and you're dealing with solar generation? Your power, your, it shifts. <laughs> or you have a really calm day instead of a windy one. Well, then you've got a problem. So you have to recreate your power grid to be able to fluctuate with that and then figure out always to make sure that you have the ability to put a light on in a home. And, and by so the way, much. Matt, you know, when I was over in Europe after that massive snowfall, there's a lot, a lot of solar panels outside of Munich. Every mm -hmm. single one of them was snow covered. So, you know, and, and that goes away after several days. But when you're relying on those solar panels to charge vehicles to get to work and to, to power trains, which in Germany are electric, you know, it's it, it just you're putting a, a lot of your eggs all in the same basket again. And, and, yeah. and again, most of the time that might it might work right because electricity is reliable enough in this country where you don't have to work about issues until you have issues and then it's a big problem because you know we we rely on on mobility to get around so i i think what you're getting at is is you know it sounds like you you would consider a plug-in hybrid electric and matt i don't understand what's wrong with that i i just think that that is kind of an insurance policy in a world where extreme events are driving more difficulty and that allows people to cover 90% of their daily, you know, maybe 70, 80, 90% of their daily driving needs, if not 100%. They can charge yeah. at home still, but there's still a backup. And, and look at the world we live in, computers, everything I'm dealing with, my bank, Facebook, all of that's backed up. They have two different ways of storing that information and multiple ways to get at it. Why are we, you know, I, I just, I'm sure we'll hear a lot from uh, electric vehicle fans about their disappointment, but at the same time, I have to think that there's a better approach if we, you know, the hybrids. People thought that that was a joke, you know, 10 years ago, but those vehicles, the Prius, right? 40, 50 miles a gallon. Mm -hmm. And the numbers have, have stacked up. And let's be honest, they could even tweak that if they wanted to. I mean, right now, the way that the Prius works, or pretty much any hybrid is, the batteries charge whenever you apply brakes. 
Um, there's no reason why they couldn't also tweak that to also do like a, a wind type of power generation as you're driving down the road. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, the, the ability of the turbine, so to speak, is in the front of the front of the grill, just behind it where it's not visible and turns while you're, there's so many options that you could to extend that hybrid, but you'll never be able to truly get away from the gasoline. So maybe instead of 40 or 50 miles per gallon, maybe you get 50, 60, 65, but you're still yeah. having to use some fuel. And there are ways to, to move us along without, without, in my opinion, turning things so quickly upside down, um, that, the entire economy starts looking really scary, you know, like, right. like we've, we've collapsed ourselves and we've done it to ourselves. Well, and, and, and now kind of putting the, you know, the, the circle on this is uh, Americans are, are less interested in EVs when gas prices decline as they are now. And when energy is more affordable, you know, it just highlights that we could have a more sustainable. I mean, if we reduced our, our consumption of gasoline in a way to go to hybrids, the price would be more stable. Right. Yeah, Instead of these massive yeah. upswings, look at diesel. Diesel generally doesn't see the swings in price that gasoline does. It's just that we consume so much gasoline. But, you know, wrapping this up here, um, you know, the, 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 the good news, you know, we can disagree on EVs or plug in hybrid electric vehicles. But if we get back to gas prices, Matt, the, the future is looking bright here ahead of Christmas. And, and we'll meet next week and take a yep. pulse for what's going on. But for now, the national average keeps declining. Back down to, oh, look at that, below 309 a gallon, Matt. So we're even closing the podcast. We're just nine cents from that 299 metric. And maybe, I'm happy. maybe we'll be there by next time we talk. Hey, listen, anytime you can get a cheaper gas price, you, you, know, you know what my opinion is on it. Bring it. <laughs> Make sure that you actually give us your questions. We would love to hear from you. Patrick, what's the email that folks can get a hold of us on? Yeah, podcast at gasbuddy.com. Uh, shoot your thoughts. Right over there. Otherwise, see us on social. We're at Over a Barrel Show on Facebook, on X. Otherwise, if you want to reach out to me and Matt personally, you can reach Matt at Over a Barrel Matt. And I'm at Gas Buddy Guy. And so uh, we'll see you next time with hopefully some great news about gas prices. So long. Yeah. Have a good one.